Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part four of our series on Far Cry, our final part in this series as we cover Far Cry 6 and all of the surprisingly consequential DLC that's a part of this game. So if you want to listen to previous episodes, uh, you can certainly do so at ftp.podbean.com. Or if you just want to dip in and just hear all about the newest game in the series, Far Cry 6, well, welcome. Strap yourself in because it's going to be a, it's going to be a weird experience. Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, having a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to talking about Far Cry, one of Ubisoft's many games, many games that uh, reinforce that it's just sort of a publisher that exists to make franchises now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Remember when he used to make all those cool Ubi art games? Yeah, those were rad. Those yeah. were always interesting. Yeah, maybe not the best, but yeah. you know, Child of Light was at least was pretty to look at. Yeah, it was it was nice. I enjoyed my time with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe they'll make another Rayman game at some point. I, I guess that's still I, technically a franchise, but still. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's never going to happen because Ubisoft needs to make money. Uh, yeah. A little oh bit more acutely nowadays than <laughs> anything else, but. <laughs> Skull and, and Bones to... really just draining that bank account, huh? <laughs> I guess that is kind of the funny thing. Their one non-franchise game they are making is. Oh, uh, yeah. will never come out. It'll never happen. <laughs> So, you know, maybe maybe Ubisoft knows what they're doing in a way. Well, actually, maybe. I guess they don't because they're no, making no, Skull and Bones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, today we are going to be talking about one of those franchise games. Uh, Far Cry 6, uh, not their biggest franchise. It's definitely not Assassin's Creed big, but right. definitely one that, say, still earned uh, $310 million within its first week of sale. Or at least Far Cry 5 did. <laughs> so mm. certainly... It's a spicy meatball of a of a franchise. Sure. Yeah. So Far Cry Six is, as far as I, how I'm doing, Far Cry Six has uh, been dominating my life. Not only this podcast, but I decided to play the game mm-hmm. uh, with the intention of playing through the entire thing, uh, and then found out that it's an Ubisoft game, and apparently right. there's yeah. a uh, there's a lot of stuff that you could do in that game uh, that's very very repetitive, admittedly. Yeah. But Sounds but the very right. But at the very least, I did get a pretty good feel for the game. So I'm I'm very interested in talking about the backdrop of this game, if nothing else. Because I think Far Cry 6 has proven to actually be far more interesting to me from a narrative side mm. uh, than I was expecting. Even though, ultimately, I think its plot is kind of boilerplate. But let's kind of get into that a little bit. Okay. So when we last left off, we were talking about Far Cry 5, a game that... Well, it's hard to call a failure given that it was it earned three hundred ten million dollars once again with its first week of sales. Right. I, it still felt like Far Cry Five managed to feel like a letdown. Mm. Uh, while selling well, it was a game that quickly became forgotten. I think most people agree that its gameplay was a little bit on the bland side, a little bit too samey compared to previous entries in the series, and its story once again wasn't controversial, but controversial for the fact that it missed the mark on so many things. So because of that, you know, it was just kind of bland. It was a video game that exists. And when this is supposed to be a major tentpole franchise of a major video game company, this is not acceptable. 
So Far Cry 6, released on October 7th, 2021, is easily their biggest swing for the fences when it comes to this series. Like, they're trying to hit a home run with this thing mm-hmm. uh, to make more tortured baseball analogies. Now, this game takes place in 2021 on the Caribbean island of Yara, as it tells the story of Danny, a reluctant revolutionary, as he or she takes on the dictator of the island, Anton Castillo. Now, this game largely follows a similar gameplay arc to Far Cry 5, albeit with uh, you getting kidnapped a lot less. Okay, good. That was kind of... It was getting old pretty fast. Yeah, no, you're not going to get constantly hit with the bliss and then have somebody monologue at you uh, 12 to 15 times over the course of a game. You know, in retrospect, trying to set up four different characters who love to monologue was probably a bit much. It kind of was. Yeah. Yeah, and they're gonna they're going to back up on that. First off, the main character in this game is actually going to be voiced. Okay. So less chance to monologue, as it turns out. And two, they're actually gonna keep the villain and the main character actually pretty separate throughout the game, as we're going to find. Huh. In a way that I I kind of actually don't feel works that well. But we'll get yeah, that in a sec. Like three and four are sort of at their best when the protagonist and antagonist are like bouncing off each other mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah far cry 5 technically has that uh, yeah just <laughs> one person is bouncing silently yeah yeah it's you know kind of like throwing a tennis ball against a wall yeah uh, and then yeah in far cry 6 it really doesn't happen until halfway through during a torture sequence and then at the very end of the game and that's uh, more or less right. about it so Ubisoft Montreal had faced significant criticism for like how formulaic the gameplay was, and the writing was criticized for similar reasons when it comes to like Far Cry 5. It doesn't take any risk, right? Mm-hmm. With Far Cry 5 really fumbling an interesting yet controversial premise to the point that it was controversial for an entirely different reason, right? there was a strong incentive to get this back on track. And for that, Ubisoft decided to turn towards a new narrative director, Navid Kavari. Now, Naveed Kavari is a long-time Ubisoft employee and veteran on the Far Cry series. Uh, he goes all the way back to Far Cry 4 as a narrative designer on this game, so he's been there since at least 2010. Uh, he got a start of at the company writing for Splinter Cell Blacklist uh, before he was like pretty much moved permanently over to the Far Cry series. And during that time, he moved himself up to narrative director for Far Cry 5, albeit not the lead, before being given the lead job on Far Cry 6. Now, he has his hands, like, all over the place. Like, he helped write for certain missions in Assassin's Creed and The Division. And he's currently writing for some unnamed projects that Ubisoft has going on right now. So, pretty old-handed Ubisoft at this point. And he's been given the task of writing the ship, if you will. And to do this, he one of the main decisions that was made was to bring the series back to its roots. Far Cry got a start on a tropical island. And so this game would do so as well, taking place on Yara. Alex, how familiar are you with like the setting of Far Cry Six at all? Um, I let's see, the best way I would describe it is I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I did not even know it was specifically in the Caribbean. I just knew it was like tropical third world country mm-hmm. ruled by a dictator. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think um, if you're not completely familiar with some of the more stereotypical features of Cuba, you mm. you might not pick up right, on a few right. things. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, and it, it's very interesting because Yara is essentially 
Cuba. Like, right. the, the say that it's based on Cuba would be to say that there's major differences between the two. Mm-hmm. And the only major differences I can see is that the island isn't Cuba-shaped, but rather a squash and rotated Hispaniola. Okay. And a dictator is a fascist hereditary dictatorship, as opposed to a communist hereditary dictatorship. Right. Although, fun fact, as part of the story in this game, there was a communist hereditary dictatorship. So, <laughs> it basically is Cuba. It is hilariously Cuba. Gotcha. Um, like, the in-game story tells us that after a revolution in the 60s, Yara was placed under an international blockade that forced the country to be like a perpetual blend of the 50s and modern day. Basically, you have cars from the 50s and equipment mm-hmm. from the 50s that are just constantly being repurposed and rejiggered to continuously work uh-huh. and serve the needs of the population, much like Cuba. Yep. Uh, the modern blockade was instituted by the United States, much like Cuba, after Fidel Castro and Che Guevara overthrew the Batista regime. Uh, and Yar's main export is high-quality tobacco, similar to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. It gets even deeper when you get to one of the main conceits of the game. And this, honestly, I found incredibly interesting that they even went down this route. So, in-game, Anton Castillo is trying to break the blockade by creating a cancer drug named Viviro that's incredibly, incredibly potent. Now, I found this incredibly interesting because this is surprisingly similar to one of Cuba's greatest means of soft diplomacy. Uh, Alex, have you ever heard of doctor diplomacy? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine you maybe are familiar with it in terms of Cuba and their medical industry. Yeah, it's I haven't. It was a while ago that I heard about, it, so I'm I'm hazy on the specifics. But it's something to the effect of like Cuba has a very good program for training doctors and medical experts, who they mm-hmm. then try to get uh, visas or entry to the United States. Sort that, of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. When um, they attempt to. Usually, when like doctors attempt to defect, they'll they'll tend to go that route. Yes, mm. yeah. So okay, this is actually going to be very interesting uh, to talk about then. Okay. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting regardless because this is as a nurse, I find this stuff incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. So Cuba has an incredibly well trained and well equipped medical industry, and as part of their attempts to normalize relations after the 1960s, because 1960s, after all that happened, outside of the Soviet Union and like a few other countries. The entire world basically was cut off from Cuba. And that obviously is very, very bad when you're a exporting country such as Cuba. Right. Yep. So in order to help normalize relations and build goodwill once Castro came to power, Cuba started focusing heavily on medical training and disaster response measures. This was known as doctor diplomacy. Now, the idea behind this is that they were basically going to throw a ton of money between behind you know, not only training doctors, but making sure they had top-notch medical supplies, and also that there were plenty of doctors. Mm-hmm. Nurse-patient ratios in Cuba are actually incredibly generous compared to places even like the United States or Canada. Uh, and part of that is because they have a very robust disaster response uh, effort, where if a country ends up like having, let's say, like an earthquake in South America or something similar, Cuba can send a large, and I do mean large, like thousands of doctors and nurses, level large, of mm-hmm. uh, medical personnel and supplies to these countries to not only deal to disaster relief, but then also stay behind and help stabilize things. Hmm. Yeah, the Cuban response typically is to not just go in there and basically do what's essentially disaster tourism, where they just kind of hang out there, kind of just 
do what they need to do for like a couple weeks and then leave. Right. There's a definite recognition that, hey, if they have like a major earthquake or a major mudslide, things are going to be messed up for a while. You need to stay there and help train new doctors, train new nurses in order to help make sure things are stabilized. Mm-hmm. Now, this is usually done in exchange for other things. Uh, sometimes it's done completely altruistically, you know, just for diplomacy reasons, but sometimes such as the uh, the 1999 Vargas mudslides in Venezuela, uh, they did so in exchange for oil rights, for instance. Right. Uh, okay. Other cases, though, like such as the uh, treating victims of the Chernobyl disaster, as far as I know, were essentially done for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, another case is like when they went to Honduras and helped train doctors there. Uh and in like a real instance of like really making a dramatic impact, they reduced infant mortality rates in that country from 30.8 per 1,000 live births to just 10.1 per 1,000 live births. Live wow. births. Yeah, incredible. Uh, in 2019, a United Nations report estimated that since 1963, over 600,000 health workers had provided medical service overseas at some point. Hmm. So... Very interesting that this particular attack is being taken in this game, where there's an attempt at soft power diplomacy by providing this cancer drug that could help, in the words of Anton Castillo, heal the world. Right. Now, it should also be noted that this is not an entirely good thing that Cuba did. And the reason why I'm saying this is going back to that uh, report that I was talking about that was commissioned in 2019 by the United Nations. That report was done to explore human rights abuses that Cuba was committing. Uh, because, as you could probably imagine, not all of these doctors went to these foreign countries willingly. Right. O- oftentimes, they were done so under coercion and without any indication of when they would come back. Uh, sometimes there would be a time limit. Sometimes they would be there nearly indefinitely. Because, once again, Cuba wants to stabilize a region. They're going to keep doctors in there to train. Mm-hmm. This means they could be there for years on end. And on top of that, if you don't have necessarily a right to do any like make the choice or anything like that, you could be going somewhere, being away from your family for God knows how long. Right. And needless to say, that's not that's a pretty terrible thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and yeah, it was found that they were likely were committing human rights violations with this. Now my point with this though is that I find it fascinating that this is a similar backdrop is in play here in Fire Cry Six. And it really emphasizes that boy, they um they really just wanted to write about Cuba. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, this game has such an interesting level of parallel between Yara and Cuba that I honestly felt like they could have done something interesting with this, and it's clear that Navid and Ubisoft felt that way too. In an interview Navid gave to Polygon, he notes that the game isn't going to be an apolitical attempt like Far Cry 5 was. Mm-hmm. Rather, quote, our story is political, a story about what a modern revolution must be. Now, to this end, um, they apparently did research multiple different revolutions in order to see what went into them, what were the mm-hmm. circumstances behind them, and what could the what what should a revolutionary be like in the modern day? Right. Now, he almost immediately undercuts this in the same interview by saying, quote, our game doesn't want to make a political statement about what's happening in Cuba specifically, end quote. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I I personally don't think you could do that if your pattern, your setting, so close <laughs> to a real country. Right. I, I, I would get it if maybe there was more elements of other countries blended in there, and I'm sure there probably is. Like, I'm sure there probably is like instances of like maybe like Haiti or the Dominican Republic, but it is so close to like 
just like the backstory of what happened in that country compared to like Cuba, that it's like, how how could you not have like a have more of a comment about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, uh, their attempts at showing it what a modern revolution must be just don't really seem to hit the mark. So there are some parallels to the Cuban Revolution here, just throughout the backstory of this. But I don't really see what are indicators of a more modern revolution, uh, such as like the Arab Spring or other sort of, of ongoing revolutions that are happening nowadays, uh, being present in this. Right. Like, go ahead. Yeah, and it's like, it's it's a weird setting mm-hmm. to talk about modern revolutions because, like, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of political movements going on in Cuba, but as far as revolution goes, it's kind of not the hottest spot anymore. It is not, no, no. No, in fact, Cuba, if anything else, was actually kind of known at, for the opposite. Yeah. Uh, they were known for being a relatively stable regime that tried to kind of export revolution to other countries, mm-hmm. such as Angola, right. where they did so successfully. Uh, so, like, yeah, it, it's an interesting to use that as a backdrop. And on top of that, like, the images that they show are stuff like right police shooting people and, like, other, like, imagery that's invocative of, like, current revolutions, such as the Arab mm-hmm. Spring. But, like, it's really, at best, an amalgamation of different revolutions, including historical ones based upon the Cuban Revolution. Right. Like, once again, you team up with old revolutionaries from the 60s, help overthrow the, like, overthrow um, the president, a presidential dictatorship and install a communist regime. Like. Yeah, and it, just looking at it, it's this very weird sort of almost anachronistic, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, amalgam of different revolutions and revolutionary time periods. Like, parts of it look like it's set in the 60s. Yeah. And then other parts is, like, much more 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, they do try to pay some lip service to, like, what, like, modern revolutions are going through now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a character you meet, Clada, the leader of Libertad, Libertad, who's the revolutionary group in this game, does state her goals to establish, like, free elections. But mm-hmm. she knows that likely after Castile is overthrown, there'll be more factional fighting and revolutions. And that's going to take generations and generations of fighting before things finally stabilize around something. Right. Which is kind of how modern revolutions go nowadays. Yeah. Like, the Syrian civil war is something that is just continuous factional infighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even stuff like the Arab Spring is like, didn't really just result in free and fair elections all all throughout the 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 Arab world. All right. But like that's as far as the game goes. Is is Claudia paying this little bit of lip service and it's like, all right, Danny, go blow shit up. <laughs> in the end, that's, Ubisoft that's does a problem for later. Exactly. In the end, Ubisoft does what Ubisoft does. It doesn't yeah. have a whole lot to say. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, like, just hearing them talk about, we really want to, you know, explore what it takes for it to be a modern revolution. It's like, my first thought is like, okay, you might want to, but you're not going to. You're Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, well, we went to Cuba. We talked to a bunch of revolutionaries and got their experiences, what they went through. And it's like, that's... Okay. That's cool. No, I, that's legit yeah. cool. But what does that have to do for modern revolution? Like, right. I'm sure there's lessons to be pulled from that. But it's like, did you talk to, like, anybody involved in any revolutions? Like, like the Orange Revolution in Ukraine right. or, like, yeah, it, it it's odd, to say the least. Yeah. So, 
In order for a game to say a lot about nothing, you do need to have characters capable of doing so. For this game, Far Cry decided to move away from a silent protagonist and move to a voice character by the name of Donnie Rojas. Now, Donnie, who's either male or female, and for our purposes, uh, we're going to be going with the um, female pronouns, uh, because that's what the game defaults to. Okay. Uh, now, Danny is an orphan, a former soldier who's basically a T-800 Terminator, uh, who reluctantly joins the revolution with her friends after they are incredibly unceremoniously killed by Anton Castile and his army. Uh, like, literally within the first few minutes of the game. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. The writers really want you to connect with Danny. She is easily the most vocal protagonist this series ever has ever had. Mm. And in a rare change of pace, there's a heavy emphasis on her appearance. Uh, in the sense of like, there's like a third person camera sequences and whatnot. Uh, fe- huh. Frequent third person cutscenes. Yeah, th- at one point, huh. you like, you literally don't get to control her in third person for the first time until like literally like three to four hours into the game. And when it happened, I literally thought it was a glitch. Right. <laughs> until I was like, oh no, when you're just in these little gorilla camp- camps, you just that's just what you do. Okay. Oh, wow. She moves a lot slower, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Time for a walk and talk. Yep. Time for a walk and talk. And yeah, like, ways that Danny is, like, a lot more vocal as well is that she frequently, like, takes phone calls with people. She frequently talks with herself in a way that they immediately try to justify by having Danny talk to herself and then be like, oh, man, now I'm talking to myself. I must be going crazy. And it's like, you could just not have done that. You, yeah, you could just talk to yourself. That's fine with the thing that humans do. Yeah, it's it's okay. But yeah, it. I, I like Danny. I personality wise, unlike other like protagonists in the Far Cry series, she's like a lot more like she's reluctant, but she's a lot more confident in her abilities. Uh-huh. Her abilities are actually somewhat justified. Um, and like early on, they do I think a relatively decent job of establishing her as a capable soldier, uh, like who's like just kind of level headed. So, yeah, she's, of course, she's not the actual main character, because this is a right. Far Cry game. Yeah. And so the main character is actually the villain. And once again, boy, are they going to swing for the fences on this one. With Anton Castillo, the fascist dictator of Yara. Now, Anton is all over the game's marketing, because mm-hmm. unlike Danny, he's on the box. <laughs> he's in all the advertisements, unlike Danny. Yeah. He's in the splash screen when the game loads. <laughs> yeah. He's instantly also recognizable to a large swath of the population as well, because he is played by, and uses the likeness, of Giancarlo Esposito. Mm. Alex, are you familiar with uh, Mr. Esposito? I am, although I'm trying to think if I've actually seen him in anything. Have you ever watched The Mandalorian? Yes. Yes, you have. Okay, then yes, I have. (laughs) Yep. Got it. Yes. The man is great. Yes, the man is a treasure. He sure Uh, is. He's an actor of a career spanning back to the 60s and includes movies such as Malcolm X and shows like Miami Vice. Uh, not a major role in Miami Vice, but he does mm. pop up in there. And I was like, that's Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's probably best known now, though, for two separate roles. The first we've already talked about, Moff Gideon on The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And probably what is his best role? In Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul as the meticulous and terrifying drug lord. Gus Fring. Man is excellent in that show. My god, is he scary. Mm. He is known for playing quietly effective villains. Villains who tend to really take pride in their appearance and how they act. 
And so by directly using his voice and likeness, Ubisoft is clearly setting this up as his show, his mm-hmm. story, because that is exactly what he's going to bring to this role. It makes it incredibly disappointing that he is tragically underutilized to the point that you wonder why they even bothered. Ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. Yep. Because once again, he doesn't really interact with Danny a whole lot. Like, right. I was expecting it to be like a twist halfway through, like, Danny's like secretly his child that he orphaned. No. He's just, she's just there. That he is, is just so there. weird because the reveal trailer set up, that could absolutely be what the plot is. It absolutely could. Yeah, because you think that his little son that's with him is like, oh, yeah. you're going to grow. He's going to grow up. He's going to be a revolutionary. That's totally what I thought the game was. Yeah. No, nah, his son's just there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, like all the cuts, well, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of the cutscenes in this game usually involves uh, uh, Anton Castillo and his son, Diego Castillo, just him trying to give lessons to his son while his son's like, man, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, and so yeah, like they have to constantly cut away from Donnie in order to actually include him in the story. Right. It doesn't really work. Like, but I also get why they're doing that because they're like, man, we have Giancarlo Esposito. We got to make use of him. You've got to. Mm hmm. And like, yeah, Esposito is giving this like 110%. He's the kind of guy, he's a a very Patrick Stewart kind of guy. And like, Mm. he's just happy people want him in roles. So he's going to really throw himself into it. And he he does. He's not going to not bring it. Exactly. So it ends up being just sad. Like, you hear him most often just like in like voiceovers, like radio broadcasts. He's like, my fellow true yarns. And then you run a little too far away and you can't hear them. Or it's incredibly <laughs> muffled by the filters they place over it to make it sound like a radio broadcast. Oh, but it's like a localized radio broadcast? Mm-hmm. It's not on your radio? It is not on your radio. Oh, so stop stop exploring and playing the game and listen to the audio. Ugh. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought we learned this lesson. We apparently did not. Or at least Ubisoft did not. So yeah, it's it's very sad. And finally, this is all not helped by the fact that this game Alex, this game totally is all over the place. Like I thought Far Cry 5 had a tone problem. Mm. I have never been more wrong in my life. Far Cry 5 is subtle. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so Oh no. Once again, I do want to mention I I watched all the cutscenes for this game. I didn't actually I've been playing through this game and I haven't finished it, but the cutscenes really don't give you the flavor of just the everyday walk around. And, like, there's some things in here that, like, the game can't help. It's an over open-world game, and so right. NPCs in an open-world game are going to do things like really hate horses. Um, I This is a real sure. aside. Alex, this is, this is a real aside. You ride horses mm-hmm. in this game, but characters don't know how to get around horses as far as their pathfinding is. So every time there's a horse on the road, that horse is going to die in some way. You should buy somebody <laughs> running him over, getting stuck, and then basically just backing back and forth over this horse. <laughs> it makes it seem like every every yard just hates horses so much I think they're the devil's creatures. And I laugh every time I see it happen. <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. Right? It's like that I love that bit of open world jank. What I don't love though is the incredibly crass and funny jokes that are all over the place. Uh, My particular favorite is when this character, whose name is Philly, uh, talks about this puppy that you get as a amigo. It's basically a guns for hire or an ally that you could have in this game. Uh-huh. Where he talks the story about how this disabled puppy 
Uh, like he's like, oh man, it's a really funny story. He used to hang out this baby crocodile, and then he ate the baby crocodile, and it was messed up. And the punchline is basically just Danny saying, "That's fucked up," which is the punchline for a surprising amount of jokes in this game. Is somebody doing something amoral or talking about something amoral and laughing about it in an inappropriate fashion, and then Donnie going like, "That's probably illegal and fucked up," and it's like that's not a joke or a punchline. Right. Are they trying to establish that every character is a sociopath and you shouldn't trust them? I, I don't think so. I think they're trying to establish <laughs> that sociopathy is funny. Oh, Which, good. it's like, okay, yeah, you all saw Trevor from Grand Theft Auto Five and went, yeah, he's kind of funny. And it went, what if we did that with every character? Mm. And it's like, how about not? <laughs> now, to put this more succinctly, one reviewer states that, Quote, Far Cry 6 is a game in which you rescue refugees by using a weapon that plays Macarena when you aim down its sights. End quote. And, yeah. What? Yeah? Yeah? Yes? <laughs> Wait, are they trying to be Borderlands now? I guess so. But, okay, see, I, it took me this long to make the connect. Yeah, this is like Borderlands level writing. It is! Oh, it absolutely, absolutely is. Oh, no. I know they wanted to go back to the series' roots, but this is not, this isn't the route you want to go back to. Yeah, this is not it, man. This is not it. And yeah, they do that will also be like, now our country's being poisoned and stripped from resources and man's a fascist dictatorship. We gotta yeah, be- maybe it should be. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, y'all kind of suck, actually. This is a Far Cry 4 situation where it's like, maybe Pagan Men's actually right. I don't yeah. know, man. Y'all are terrible. In the end, reviewers agreed that this was, well, they didn't agree this game was terrible, but they did agree that this game had a total problem and was kind of bland. Yeah. It has a Metacritic rating of between 73 to 79%, depending on the version. Uh, the Xbox One X version being the best, apparently. Right. Uh, the oh, general, yeah. hmm. go ahead. Wait, what? The Xbox One X version being the best? Or Series X, Series X, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, yes. sorry. I don't blame you, this stupid yeah, it's it's impossible to keep all that straight. Thank okay. you, thank you, PlayStation, for just being like, here's a new number. Yep. Uh, <laughs> problem solved. Problems. Yeah, it turns out it's that easy. Uh, to be fair, Xbox spent two consoles going. Here's a new number, and we went. That's the wrong number. <laughs> Well, to be fair, it's because he went with Xbox 360, and then he went, well, what about the Xbox One? <laughs> it's like, but the last one was supposed to be the all-in-one box. You can't, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, video games are stupid. Video games are stupid. Yes, they are, Alex. Yes, they are. So, yeah. Okay. Everyone agreed that the gameplay was tired and plot was another miss. Yeah. And probably the best and most damning review from comes from Polygon writer Diego Nicholas... Uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, and I do apologize mm. to him. Uh, Diego Nicholas Arguero, um, who points out how stereotypical and one-dimensional the writing and characters are. Yeah. Uh, he does so by writing, and this is going to be a long quote, because honestly, the entire thing needs to be included. Fair. Quote, The portrayal of Far Cry 6 gorillas is surprisingly is similarly conflicting. The term gorilla is itself is so overused that the characters in this game, once a gorilla, always a gorilla, becomes a catchphrase. They really do say that that often, too. Uh, oh, God. The people you help also fall into tropes of Latin American characters. The sassy alcoholic know-it-all. A couple obsessed with sex, who are jokingly called animals. The veteran gorilla who is constantly chanting, Viva la libertad. Oh, 
Oh my god. The bad stereotypes are abundant, and although I tried to overlook them, the game's dialogue does not help. Speaking of tropes, as I and other Latin American folks saw coming since the game's reveal, Yara is a Spanish native region that defaults to the English language. But more often than not, characters remind you of their nationality by switching between languages without any consistency. I hate that. I hate that so much. Once again, I'm going to jump out this quote just to say, this happens in like so many Ubisoft games. I hate it so much. It makes no sense. It does not. Because then, like, canonically, they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For no reason. And it's like, you could just be like, well, they're speaking English just so you you can understand it, but they're actually speaking Spanish or whatever. But yeah, it's like, it reminds me of, like, um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where mm-hmm. you play as a Greek warrior who just randomly will just start speaking Greek in the middle of, like, sentences. And you're like, oh, are, what language? Is English been invented? <laughs> okay cool whatever i guess i guess you have to have her say malacca every once in a while cool whatever man like the only time i can ever remember this like working in a way i liked was coco the Mm -hmm. pixar movie yes where they speak english the entire time and the only spanish they say are specific words Mm. that are like fundamentally or ideologically significant yes exactly exactly and they do not do that here let me assure you. <laughs> God, I hate it so much. Unless you mean the word gorilla. <laughs> oh. So going back to the quote, there are sequences where two characters speak entirely in Spanish for a few seconds, one stand out being a song that is fully captioned in English during a cutscene, then quickly go back into a mashup, the same ones seen recently in other AAA games such as Last of Us Part 2 and Cyberpunk 2077. It's been said a number of times, but when Spanish-speaking people are talking in English, we're not constantly cambiando a espanol mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. I, I know I butchered that, and I apologize. Far Cry 6 is obsessed with this fallacy. It comes across as a parody at best, and utterly disrespectful at worst. Castillo quotes at his father at one point, saying, quote, end quote, Jesus would make an amazing yarn presidente. He does say presidente a lot. When yeah. I heard that, I got fairly close to putting my controller down and calling it a day. I I stuck with the game long enough to see the end credits, but unfortunately, the rest of the game did not remedy any of this. End quote. So yeah, I could have cut that down, but honestly, I think that those three paragraphs... Yeah, no, it's all valid. It's all valid. Yeah. And so yeah, it's ultimately a disappointing game. One that I find fascinating for the level of parallels they put into the backdrop. Mm -hmm. But I think it's about time we talked about the plot of Far Cry 6, Alex. Okay, yeah. So, Far Cry 6 takes place in the year 2021, three years after Far Cry 5. Um, If you remember correctly, in Far Cry 5, a nuclear attack happened in Montana and all over the United States, and the world was destroyed. Yeah, what happened with that? Uh, That's a good question, because Danny really wants to get to Miami, along with her friends, and escape the oppressive regime of Anton Castillo. Uh, So, what has happened is that Ubisoft has decided to ignore that. Okay. Yeah, uh, literally, this is now a split timeline. The trying to tie these games into one unified timeline is stupid to begin with. They, mm-hmm. I don't know why they're bothering. I don't know why it adds nothing. I don't know why they are either, and they actively contradict themselves in this game. Now, admittedly, they contradict themselves in a like really nuanced ways, but they are right contradictory, like. Uh, one of the amigos you get is a dog that was um, 
uh, Herc's dog in Far Cry 5, who uh-huh. he sends down to Yara in order to escape all the violence that's happening in Montana. But at the same time, the Seed family is not in Montana anymore. They're actually in Oregon selling bliss. They're just drug oh. dealers now. Okay, sure. So it's like, why bother? Why are we doing yeah. this? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, it. and the DLC is only going to make this weirder as well. As, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Point being, okay. 2021, the world's fine. Okay, sure. So we learn almost immediately that a revolution in 1967 overthrew the president, leading to a giant blockade that crippled the country. Now, in 2014, I believe it's 2014 anyways, a new president was elected, Anton Castile, who immediately turned the country into a dictatorship. We then see him and his son, Diego. Diego's roughly about 15 or 16. Uh, he is voice acted and motion captured by, speaking of, the main character in Coco. <laughs> Oddly enough. Yeah, yeah his voice actor. Uh, okay, it's good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, so he was 15 or 16 around this time, so I presume he's 15 or 16 in this game. Okay. Now, uh, we see him give an address about to the, to the nation, telling them that they have a solution to their poverty. Viviro, a potent drug grown in tobacco that le- leaves that was, creates a wonder drug when it's extracted. A drug that is basically able to cure any exa- cancer that exists. <laughs> okay. Wait, we're making the cancer drug out of tobacco? Of course, Alex. It's ironic. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Right? Right? All right. Yeah, sure. Hey, did you know this is supposed to be Cuba? Did you know this is supposed to be Cuba? We got to fit in tobacco leaves somehow. Wouldn't it be funny if the thing that causes cancer can cure cancer, man? What do you think about that? Blows your mind. It's symbolic. It's a circle. Oh, man. Boy, Alex, Vero's going to get real dumber when we explain what the hell it is. Oh, I can't wait. Why Why do they keep making stupider drugs? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of debate if this or Bliss is stupider, but... Um, uh, I don't know. I miss Voss being like, hey, here's some LSD, stab. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, man, can, can't we go back to a simpler time when Voss was just... Dosing us of LSD. Yeah, that was that was fun times. That was a fun time, man. So now, while he's telling us, we get we switch to images of like riot police beating people in the streets. We see people working in the fields where they're getting being sprayed with like red fertilizer. Like they're literally getting crop dusted and like collapsing in the fields, okay, which is sure. and like and like other like being pulled in the streets and being shot. All while, like, Anton Castillo's, like, saying, hey, we, we need to draft people in order to help grow this. And we its draft's going to be indefinite, but it's going to help bring us out of poverty. And anybody can be selected. My son can be selected. It is so hilariously on the nose of them being like, this guy's evil. Right. That it's like, oh, boy. Okay. We then cut to a rooftop where we meet three people. Añejo, Lita, and our main character, Donnie. These three are scrappy orphans in their 20s who hate the government. Danny herself used to serve in the military for about six years. Um, I think she was only active duty for a short while because she was apparently a good soldier until she punched a drill instructor in the throat and that kind of ended her career. Okay. Anyways, Dishonorably discharged for insubordination. Got it. Exactly. Anyways, they're all planning on fleeing to the United <laughs> States, a place that, once again, at this point in the Far Cry series, should basically be vaporized. Right. But hey, they're going to go to Miami. Sorry, so how long has the regime been in power at this point? Uh, since 2014. Okay. So, so eight years? Seven, seven yeah, years, yeah. Seven, eight years. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how to math. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, so with these orphans, uh, Lita is like, man, actually, we should join Lipitad and fight for our country. And Danny's like, that's stupid. I don't want to get shot. Right. And Aniejo yeah. proves this because, like, the police are going through, like, the military is going through to, like, try to, like, you know, script people to go Viviro. And Aniejo's like, throws a bottle, like, you pigs suck. And then they immediately shoot him in the head. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. And then Danny and Lita are like, oh, God, we need to get to the boat and leave and go to America. So they, like, sneak through the streets. All the while, Danny's like, man, why are the police allowing this to happen? And it's like, Danny, I don't think the police are going to stand up to the military. Yeah, no. That's not how that generally goes. It does not. And they eventually get to the boat, and they board off a bunch of people, and it takes off. And it looks like they're about to get away, but then the boat is stopped by Castillo's forces. And then in walks Anton Castile himself. Good. Okay, I was going to say, if Castile himself is not there, then this game's immediately worse than Far Cry 4. Right? Right? No, he's 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 there. He is there. Good. And he's like, okay, okay, let me tell you his how he how he always starts his conversations. Mm-hmm. His conversations are always like him being like, when I was young, me papa would take me fishing. And then I was fishing. He would always catch these big fish and we would throw them back. But then one day he got to Marlin and he couldn't throw the fish back. He had to keep it. My dad was prideful. Pride can be the end of us. Right, Diego? And the people go like, Diego? His son? And they turn to see his kid in the hood and like, he's like, oh, hi, dad. It's like, yep, guess he got caught. Anyways, you need to leave with me. And I, Diego's like, okay, well, don't kill anybody. And he's like, well, if you want that to happen, you should have stuck on this boat. Let's go, Diego. All right, let's kill everybody. And so everybody gets shot. The boat gets sunk. Danny wakes up on the beach. Lita's dead. Your friends are dead. Congratulations. I hope you were attached to them. Yeah. We really, we here at Ubisoft really hope you were attached to them. <laughs> we gave you five whole minutes. Yeah, we gave you five whole minutes with them. And what you learned about them is that they want to escape to America, except one of them who wanted to fight Castillo. And that was about it. Like, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, lead, uh, Danny goes like, "Well, I need to find Lipitad, I guess, and maybe they can help me find a boat and I can leave." So she goes into the mountains of Yara and she meets two people. First, she meets the leader of Lipitad, Clada. Clada is an upper class Yaran who was a former journalist turned guerrilla. After helping get Anton Castillo elected, she quickly saw that he was just as much of a tyrant as the previous dictator Santos Espinosa, and formed Lipitad to fight him. By the time Danny meets up with her, her organization is like on the back foot and is nearing defeat. But since Danny is basically Solid Snake, mm-hmm. she's eventually able to help rally Libertad and bring the fight back to Castillo. She's a very serious person who's like pretty upfront of like, man, I'm scared and barely know what I'm doing, but somebody has to fight. We have to fight. I like Clara. Yeah. I think she's a perfectly fine character and she has pretty good interactions with Donnie. She also has a very annoying trait that every character has that would not be annoying if Clara was, like, the only person who did this. Which is her going, like, Danny, I don't trust you. You're not a real gorilla. You should join us and be one, but at the moment, I don't trust you, and I don't think, you, I don't think your heart's in this. Anyways, go blow up everything, I'm gonna trust you secret missions, and now I like you <laughs> after five minutes. Yeah, okay. Great. There's, like, three or four characters who do this throughout the game. It's incredibly annoying. So the second person that you meet is Juan Cortez, a character I hate. Mm. Juan is an ex-CIA, ex-KGB, ex-everything-else spy. What? 
Yes. Okay, sure. Yeah, he's actually he's actually a lot more KGB than CIA. I think he just okay. kind of plays up the CIA part because his his CIA work is more like, uh, well, the CIA contacted me once and they I helped sell guns to the, the Espinosa regime. It's like, well, I guess that makes you CIA. I guess. Sure. Yeah. So he is far more sarcastic and crass compared to Clara. He's one of many characters whose jokes are like, I'm going to make a vague joke about STDs. Like, oh, we're gonna burn this lock faster than like. That STD will burn your crotch. Ha ha. Uh-huh. And it's like, how many more jokes are you going to make of this? He's like, every time I speak, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good. At least you'll be Great. consistent. So, yeah, he's incredibly resourceful. He's like able to make rocket backpacks, sandwiches out of plastic bottles and whatnot. And sure. he, he got involved in Yara. He's like, a, he is a Yarin, but he got involved in Yara when the, the KGB sent him there to assist in a 1967 revolution. And he's been literally all over the place. Like, he helped out in the Kyriot Civil War. So I guess he helped out with Mohan Gale and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically been all over. I think he even mentioned being to Montana at one point. And he's he's there to, like, help out, like, the... He initially was helping out the uh, Espinosa regime in Yara. But when Castillo came in power, he immediately persecuted him for his previous support. And that's why he's working with Libertad. He is set up to be a little amoral. Uh, that's going to really come to a head oh. so Danny is rather quickly convinced to help them start retaking Yara one region at a time like after you help them out initially they do give you a boat and you can sail away and get the secret ending which is Danny on the beach in Miami and then you hear a radio report of like yeah everyone died oh. that sucks but um you're basically sent to the main island of Yara to team up and like get together the different various like resistant groups that are happening in the country uh uh, Clara would do it herself, but being an upper class, quote, true Yaren, she knows that they wouldn't trust her. Whereas Danny's a scrappy orphan, so th- they'll be All cool right. with her. And so she has a team up with a bunch of people, such as the Montero family, which is like a hard living, incredibly distrustfully insular family of that like had their land taken away. Uh, their patriarch is like infected with like basically, uh, basically ended up inhaling a bunch of Viro and is like slowly dying after working in the fields. Uh, you end up meeting up with a music group named Maximus Matizas, who's like the voice of the revolution, and like were friends with Clara way back in the day. Uh, you even go up to the mountains to meet like the old like uh, legends of '67, which are a bunch of guerrillas who helped install the communist regime that used to exist. And like eventually, you bring them all together to fight against Anton Castile, which I guess we should actually talk a little bit about him since he's kind of central focus of this game. Sure. So Anton Castillo, he is a, I believe, 64, 67-year-old man. He's actually the oldest uh, Far Cry antagonist in this game. Uh, so he was the son of the president of Yara back in 1967. His father actually was in charge of the country, but when he was overthrown, Anton's father was executed right in front of him, and he was thrown in prison. He was getting 15 years of hard labor and was released when he was 23. So... Upon being released, he was, like, obviously not particularly happy with the communist regime. Uh, And, like, as time went on, like, he grew, like, very close with his mom, who I I guess I believe fled to America. And, like, as, like, time went on, like, the regime started to fall apart. And eventually, like, Espinosa died, free elections were going to be held. And so he decided he was going to run for, for, for office. Now, he was galvanized by this by two reasons. One, because he felt like his family should be in charge of Yara, uh, based upon you know, his you know, family bloodline. And right. two, because of what happened in 2013. In 2013, his mom died of breast cancer. 
Now, at the exact same time, he got leukemia, which is very unlucky. Uh huh. Yes, and it was um. They don't say what type of leukemia he has, but apparently it's a very aggressive one that just wasn't, uh, did not respond to treatment particularly well. Leukemia is a pretty interesting type of blood cancer that, depending on the type, it could be incredibly hard to treat and also can be incredibly prolonged, which Mm. was the case for Castillo. He basically was just hanging out with this disease that was likely going to kill him uh, years down the line. Uh Now, one of his friends, uh, and later one of his lieutenants, Maria, was like, hey, you should maybe have a kid to secure the bloodline. And he's like, with who? And she's like, what about with me? And so they had a kid. Uh, okay. Maria Marquesa, uh, she's one of the lieutenants you fight against. She's basically her pro- his propaganda minister. Uh, her, She's a weird character in which she's like, well, I don't actually want to be a mom. I just want to give you a kid because, you know, I believe in you. And he's like... Right. And Anton's like, well, I also think you should have a mom. That'd be kind of cool. She's like, well, when he turns 18 or if you die, well, I'll be a mom. How's that sound? It's uh, weird. 18's a little far down the line, but okay. Yeah, yeah. It, the Anton-Diego relationship throughout this game is actually pretty interesting in the sense mm. of that, like, Anton very clearly does care for Diego. Like, he really does not want what happened to him to happen to Diego. Like, so he wants to make sure that all his enemies are crushed, that Diego is raised, quote unquote, right. Right. And has all the tools needed to succeed him because he's like, I'm going to die one day. Uh-huh. Uh, now, it does seem, though, that Anton is going to have a lease on life because he ends alongside a American biochemical f- firm, discovers Viviro. Now, they discover Viviro because... It turns out Yara and his company developed a chemical weapon uh, called, I believe, PG-240. Now, this chemical weapon is incredibly dangerous, but when it's sprayed on plants, the plants are able to make a chemotherapy drug out of it that still is pretty darn toxic, but it also is incredibly effective against all types of cancers, and it actually arrests the leukemia in him. And so it's like, oh, wow, cool, I got this. So, like, after he gets elected, he, you know, obviously cracked down on everything. He's like, I can sell this to the world, break the blockade with this. I just got to just oppress everybody and make sure this gets sold. This will secure my son's future, and everything will be great. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, Danny exists. And once again, she is literally the Terminator. Uh-huh. Uh, just tears through anything she throw- he throws at him. Like, he literally, like, captures her and, like, injects her with, like... Viviro in order to kill her, and she still survives that. Like, th- this girl's nuts. Why do Far Cry villains keep injecting the protagonists with things they, that they, aren't yeah. bullets? Yeah, they, everybody gets the drugs in the you series. You try just shooting your enemies sometime. Oh, fuck. Every game, they get drugs. Well, I guess Far Cry yeah. 2, they don't get drugs, but they get malaria, which is like they a get drug. malaria. Yeah, it's nature ju- drugs them. Wow, is that the... That the is mosquitoes like the, drug them. Yeah, the mosquitoes drugged him. Yeah, wow. Uh, didn't not think that was the through line to all these games, but it turns yeah, out it yeah, is. you get injected with some shit and either start dying or awaken your primal instincts. <laughs> One or the other, it turns out. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, that's actually also consistent. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, funny that. So, eventually, uh, Anton and Diego are like trapped in the in the capital city of of Esperanza and like it we find out after uh Danny actually like frees Diego is like hey you're free kid and he's like okay cool thanks can you please not murder my dad 
I know he's an asshole, but I love him. Also, he's dying of cancer. Turns out the Viviro, like, has stopped working. And now his cancer oh. is coming back and is more aggressive than ever. Oh. And it's, um... It's, maybe that's because they made it out of tobacco. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's really set up as this thing that's like, oh man, maybe Viviro actually doesn't work at all. Maybe actually he didn't have a cure for cancer at all. And, like, and like you know, maybe at the end of the day he was just hopeful for something that would never come. And it's like, actually, no, he stopped, like, what appeared to be a very chronic type of leukemia and bought him, like, a significant amount of time. Something right. like, I think it was something like, thir- no, he was diagnosed in 2013. Vero was discovered apparently shortly after that. It's something like 15 years he was bought. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. like, that's actually amazing. Right. Like, this is actually an incredibly successful drug. No, this is still actually really good. They should probably stop dumping chemical weapons on top of their people and just i don't know have them walk away from the crop dusters for a while but yeah probably yeah I, yeah no actually he, he did a good thing with this one thing is exactly this one thing yeah so anton is confronted and he's like uh so history is going to repeat itself diego is going to see me die and he is going to be persecuted himself and will likely die as well and Danny's like, nah, we're not going to do that to him. Don't worry about it. It's going to be cool. Like, in fact, we won't even kill you. We'll just, we'll just arrest you. It's like, I mean, we are going to put you in jail. You're, you're a jerk, but your son's going to be fine. We're not going to, we're not going to repeat the same mistakes. He's like, a simple fallacy. I don't believe it. Turns, shoots Diego, kills him. Oh. And then, of course, okay. points his gun at you, and then Danny shoots him, and then he dies, and now everyone's dead. And it's like, well, dang, how tragic. And so, after that, Dan, like, oh, he also manages to capture Clara at the same time, and he, he kills Clara after you basically threaten Diego, and yeah. So Clara's also dead, and so everyone's like, oh man, Danny, I guess you're the leader of Libertad now. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you continue fighting against the regime, but um, I'm not, I'm not gonna, no, not at all. <laughs> Wait, what regime? Well, there's still, like, an insurgency that happens, and, like, there's oh. still, like, followers of Castillo who still, like, want a dictatorship, and so, you, the post-game is literally you, like, every week they take over a different region, you have to fight against them. Oh. Well, you gotta have a continuous, you know, treadmill, after all. Right, of course, you can't let the live service die. No, not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, that's basically how the game ends. The game ends with, um, uh... Uh, with Donnie and Juan basically being like, boy, yeah, there's still steel people out there. We should go hunting. And they walk off the jungle to basically go cause mayhem. Okay, sure. Now, there is a post-credit sequence where Juan, it turns out, has been producing Viviro on the side. has been selling it to a shady figure. And a, literally a, like, here's the title card on the screen. Metal Gear Solid style, like, ooh, what's going on? This mm-hmm. is mysterious. Because it's between him and the smuggler. And Smuggler's like, man, that's that's crazy. That's crazy what happened. Man, the kid died? Wow. You know, some people just kind of go loco. They just kind of go loco. That's really weird. And you're no, like... No, oh. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. It's not going to work the way you want it to work. <laughs> this is a bad plan. I understand why it sounds like a good plan, but it's not. Alex Voss is alive. You can't. You can't just drag things on forever. They need to end. 
Yeah, it turns out Voss survived Far Cry 3 and he's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Ubisoft's gonna really hope you do because there's three DLCs, man. <laughs> and one of them stars Voss. Jesus Christ. They're just anything. Just to find something mm-hmm. that people like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's God. so terrible, Alex. It's terrible. When I heard that, I was like, <laughs> like, I knew that they were going to do things with like the villains in the previous Far uh-huh. Cry games for the DLC, but I didn't realize that the end of Far Cry 6 are like, oh, yeah, no, he was just Voss, man. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure, why not? You know, good actor, give him some work, why not? Great. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, that's now we have- He got s- paid. He got good paid. Day. And you know, that also technically means we have our second Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul-like uh, character in here, because Michael Mondo oh, plays yeah. Nacho oh, Vargas, yeah, so. Yeah. You know, that's also kind of fun in a way, but yeah. G- good on him. He-, he deserves to get paid. I'm happy for him. Could Far Cry 7 just be a Breaking Bad game? Given that could you can they, literally buy Walter White's costume in this game. Yeah, could they just make Breaking Bad the game at sh- this point? Why not? You get, They can get all those weird, like, Game Boy and N64, like, music remixes. Where yeah. they're like, yeah, this is from the fight. This is from the boss fight with the twins. But <laughs> it's, it's my favorite weird subgenre of chiptune music is people mm. making up things about a Breaking Bad Game Boy game. <laughs> and I ironically love it. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be down. Why not? Sure. Uh, honestly, give them time. I think they probably would. So, yeah, as we just alluded to, there's a lot of DLC for this game. Uh, a lot, a lot of DLC. Now, there's actually one piece of DLC that did come out very recently. That's about Danny fighting through like alternate realities and whatnot. Uh, what? Yeah, I unfortunately haven't gotten too much into that so we're not going to talk about that today it's the freshest dlc that's out but they did release three other dlcs that are roguelike in nature uh basically repeatable little adventures uh called voss insanity pagan min control and joseph collapse they all once again have very similar themes to them basically you go into the minds of these different villains And basically kind of get things from their perspective of the events of what happened in their particular games or their particular times, as well as fight against their greatest enemies, which are usually the main characters from whatever games they're in. And in Mm. Voss's case, also ghosts, because I guess Voss is afraid of ghosts. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's just this kind of funny thing where it's just like, oh, man, you're fighting against a bunch of Jason Brodies. This is crazy. And it's like, also, there's ghosts. It's like, oh, well, that's that's nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's nice for characters not to be one-dimensional. Exactly, exactly. Now, all three of these DLCs are interesting in their own different ways. Um, some more interesting than others. Some actually have mm. some really strange implications to them. Uh, actually, I'll say two of them have strange implications to them. One of them, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that one, though, when we get to that one. But let's start with okay. Voss Insanity. Sure. So after being killed by Jason Brody, Voss wakes up in a weird TV hellscape where he's constantly being watched and tormented by Jason Brody's. So like Jason, with his dumbass haircut, shows up and is like, surprise, motherfucker, stabs him and kills him. And like this happens like multiple times. And as he's okay. dying, he sees his sister smiling at him. 
He then wakes up to Citra, who asks him if he's ready to be the man who can protect him. You need to go find my knife. Can you be the man I've always wanted you to be? Jesus, could you ruin this character more? She was a bad character to start with. How are you making her worse? Oh, you don't like the fact that this is like weirdly sexual in a way that's incredibly uncomfortable? Wait, wasn't she his sister? Yes! Yes? Like, the way you're describing this, I just assume she wanted to bang. Oh, funny that you say that! So God throughout this, you see visions, and one of these visions is, like, Citra about to have sex with a guy, and, like, like Voss walks in and is like, yeah, I'm not cool with this. All right, you know, you just gotta stand there. I'm just gonna point my gun behind me. I'm just gonna graze your ear. Don't move. You might get shot. And then he moves and gets shot. And he's like, yeah, I told him that. And then Citra's like, oh, why do you always have to ruin things? And he like, gets on the bed. He's like, oh, I'm ruining things? He's like, yes, ruin things. Maybe you should ruin me. And, like, pulls her between his leg- her legs. It's so uncomfortable, man. What the hell is going on? It is so uncomfortable. So we should just retroactively remove Citra from Far Cry. Oh god, they really should. So the thing these all these DLCs do is that they, they really well, actually, except for Pagan Man Control, oddly enough, which is mm. oddly enough also the best one. Oh, uh, funny that. Yeah, funny how that works. Uh, they all use a lot of supplemental material, comics and whatnot that were released alongside these games. Uh-huh. Uh, their original games, I should say. So Citra's big thing in the comics is that she basically manipulated and tortured her brother, basically forced him to kill and always held herself up to a standard that he could never reach. It basically drove him insane that way. And this okay. whole thing is him dealing with that and basically being like, coming to the realization that actually I don't need you at all. And maybe you're actually just making me worse. And after he collects the blade, and she's like, oh, okay, I guess you're going to be by my side forever. He's like, no, I'm going to leave now, because you kind of suck. And she's like, absolutely not. You have to fight for me. And then he has to fight a giant Citra. (laughs) Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, and so he murders a bunch of ghosts and Jason Brodies. And then after, like, working through his anger, he leaves through a white light. uh, Being like, this is bullshit. I don't need you. Later, I'm going to move past all this. Oh. So then he wakes up, and then we see an aged Voss. He's sitting on the beach. It turns out he has survived the events of Far Cry 3, if the ending of Far Cry 6 did not make that clear. And he is talking to a tennis ball that is stylized like Jason Brody. Like, man, yeah, it's crazy. You know what I would do if death came for me? I'd strangle death. And the tennis ball is like, what would you do then, Voss? He's like, I would talk to God, and it would be great. And he's like, you're my best friend, Tennis Ball. He's like, I love you, Voss. It's really, it's... That's weird. It's weird. That's weird. But yeah. So yeah, that's the end of Voss Insanity. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, big implication of that, of course, is that, yeah, this is confirmation that Voss is alive. And since I guess he's still a smuggler, will probably show up in a later Far Cry game. Hope they don't ruin it. They will. They will. So the next one is Pagan Min Control. So, Control takes place in, essentially, the afterlife. Pagan Man is dead. He is very, very dead. He is uh-huh. well aware that he is dead, too. Which is weird, because if I recall, you could not kill Pagan Man. This is accurate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I guess, canonically, Pagan Man is dead. You you shoot okay. that helicopter down. So, it he, like, wakes up, like, basically, like, having, like, a mountainside dinner alongside Ishwari. Uh, Ajigali's mob 
And, you know, mm. his uh, little daughter's alive, too. And also, I believe, is older than she canonically was when she died. But, you know, idealized time or whatnot. Yeah, whatever. sure. Time passes in the afterlife or something. I don't know. Yeah, and Ajay's there as well, even though he's not dead. Uh, okay. And he's like, man, this is pretty great. We're having a, we're a family. Man, I have everything I would want. Then a bloody pagan man named the Tyrant shows up. Choose Lakshami. And then him, and he's like, this isn't what I wanted. And then, like, the tyrant's like, oh, really? Oh, you can't escape who you are. And then shoots him in the head. So then he wakes up um, in a weird, twisted version of Kirat, where he's being constantly attacked by visions of Ajay Gale and Mohan Gale, just kind of like how okay. the previous one was you know, Jason Brody's. Mm-hmm. So it turns out he needs to take a trip into his mind and kind of reconcile the fact that he's a terrible person. Now, how he's going to do this is by being like, I'm not actually a terrible person. I'm just going to pretend that I'm not and cover up my feelings and bury them. And so this whole thing is you collecting pieces of a golden mask in order to accomplish that. So, like, you'll end up, like, running into things, like, listening to, like, your inner thoughts where, like, Pig and Min is like, oh, Ishwari is dependent on me. She would die without me. And how maybe actually my daughter dying actually is a good thing because can use it to consolidate my rule and people won't bother me. And Pagan's like, mm. I don't actually believe. I never said that. And like the tyrant's <laughs> like, well, you thought it. And he's like, well, I don't believe you or whatever. Uh-huh. And like, you know, he, he has to like turn off radio stations that are protecting his voice and whatnot. Like he eventually gets to like Oshwari's house. Like he hears voices how like Moan killed his daughter, like other equally traumatic things. He's like, yep, I don't care for that memory. I'm just never going to think about this ever again. And like the tyrant shows up like to tell him that he could have stopped this, but he did nothing about it. Like, he could have just ran away with Ishwari, but he decided not to. He just lust after power too much. So, yeah. Like, and as it goes on, the, he gets more and more delusional. Like, there's one point where, like, he sees his own death. But his death now is him taking a bullet for Ajay that a Golden Dawn soldier was trying to, like, kill him with. And, like, he dies in, like, a dramatic way. He's like, don't cry for me, my son. It will be okay. And, like, Tyrant's like, that's definitely not how that went. He's like, oh, what am I supposed to say? My helicopter got shot down? I got shot at the dinner table? No, this is much cooler. We're going to go with this. <laughs> like I said, I actually kind of like this one. Right. Yeah. So, like, eventually this ends with him getting all the pieces of the mask. Like, he ends up going through these golden doors to his, like, idealized house. Lakshama, like, shows up, and she's like, hey, it's okay you didn't save me. You're perfect in every way. You're the best dad. You didn't do anything wrong, and everyone else is the bad guy. Not you. And he's like, I am the best dad ever. <laughs> like, he sits down and have dinner with everybody, but then, like, the tyrant shows up, and like, no, this is not how this is supposed to be. He's like, whatever, man. Just kills him. He's like, I'm gonna walk through this golden light. And, like, is like, hey, you know, it's too late for you to be with us, though. Sorry. Anyways, I guess you're going to have to just continuously repeat the cell. Bye. And that's kind of the end. So oh. in the end, he doesn't get what he wants. He can't actually escape his past is the whole thing about this. Right. Yeah. And who he truly is. So in the post credits, though, we get to listen to a recording of Pagan Min. He tells Ajay if he hears this, he's probably dead or on vacation. He tells him that if that's the case, he's probably in charge. And he wants to let him know that America's been messing with Kiryat an awful lot. And he needs something to fight him off. So he's like, you probably think I've just been building golden statues? No, I've been using that money to buy a bunch of ICBM nukes. And uh, I have them aimed at America, I think Montana? Don't really remember. Anyways, if you need to use them, they're there. Have fun! <laughs> Wait, are they backpedaling the nukes or not? Well, like I said, it's a split timeline. 
And in one split, I guess Ajay Gale launches a bunch of Dukes oh of Montana. God. What is this franchise? What is this franchise, right? This is multiple timelines, alternate realities. Hell is real now. Yeah, turns out. <laughs> like I'm, I'm honestly going with the idea that Voss actually just got reincarnated. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he just went through hell and then got spit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Like, what is actually this game now? Yeah, I don't, I don't really Somewhere know. Somewhere there's still a gorilla man running around. <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe he died in Africa. Maybe. I don't know. Unclear. Maybe that was a different timeline. (laughs) I mean, technically, there are multiple interpretations of Jack Carver. When you really get down to it, there are multiple Jack Carvers. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere there's a lighthouse and a Jack Carver. Oh, God. (laughs) The Bioshock crossover nobody wanted. Um, No one... Yeah, it's oh, it's real dumb. It's real dumb. Um, yeah, I I probably could have gone without the uh, oh, that's how we explained the Dukes of Montana because we never really bothered with it other right. than there's rising tensions. But yeah, so the final one is Joseph collapse. Like the rest, this starts with Joseph waking up at some point because he didn't die or anything like that, but he just wakes up. Okay, so, sure. He washes himself in holy water when he's confronted by his family, who tells him he's a selfish jerk who let them all die just to save himself. So this DLC is Joseph and the voice in his head, the voice that supposedly is God, basically having an argument about like the voices like, hey, you need to come back to light and follow me. But Joseph's like, no, actually, I made a bunch of mistakes and caused my entire family to die. And now I'm stuck in this bunker with this deputy. And honestly, this is maybe not worth it. And the voice is like, no, you're just a weak idiot. And that's why everyone died. If you come back to the light, though, it will be fine. Find these pieces of a broken cross. So. Uh, like, okay. To to pull back on all three of these for a second. Mm-hmm. The idea of, okay, let's do. Because obviously these are the best characters in their respective games. Yes, right? absolutely. And to say, okay, what if we went to each of them and followed an internal argument about who they are versus who they want to be is kind of an interesting concept. Yeah. But of course, they're Ubisoft games, so we gotta have a fetch quest. (laughs) Exactly. You gotta go to each of the places and get the thing. Yeah, and if you get one thing, you're gonna get a cutscene about, oh, wow, man, look at this. That's kind of weird. Wow. Wow, your sister really wants to have sex with you. How do you feel about that? It's like bad Ubisoft, thanks. Yeah, it it's uh I feel like every game at Ubisoft has a person with interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And then Ubisoft goes, Wow, that's an interesting idea. Anyway, here's your crappy mediocre game to make out of it. Yeah, we got we gotta make this as a DLC and sell for I, I have no idea how much these each sold for, but probably more money than it should have been. Yeah, yeah, it this should be in like an audio log or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or in the case Or even just like a linear game would be fine. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a fetch quest. Yeah, so he runs around, he talks to the like talks like to the voices of the of his family who all accuse him of like purposely using him for his own ends with like zero mm-hmm. regard for lies. Um this includes us finding out that, you know, Faith C, the adopted sister, like the one right. the fourth of the faiths. Apparently mm-hmm. proved her loyalty by killing the previous faith at oh. Joseph's behest. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's pretty fucked up. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, there's a lot of messed up things with Faith that's going to happen throughout this. Good. So we also see Joseph in the bunker post-nuclear holocaust, where he tries to figure out what God's plan is, has a crisis of faith. Like, he's like, but if I brought my brothers here, it would be fine. And the voice is like, nah, here's some visions of um, one of your brothers shooting you and another brother killing Faith. Like, it was, it would not have worked out. Y'all would have gone crazy and run out of food. So actually, it's a good thing this happened. And he's like, oh, uh, cool, I guess. There's also a really funny scene where you actually interact with the deputy, but since the deputy canonically doesn't have a character. <laughs> right. Instead of, like, Joseph talking with somebody, he just leans over and is just talking to a ghost. <laughs> There's nobody there. He's just gesturing with a mask. I'm going to put this mask on you. Think it's not here. <laughs> it's that's that's pretty good it's pretty good I, actually i thought that was funny so that all happens he has to kill visions of them to get pieces of the cross and eventually he ends up running into his son ethan which he's like who the heck is this he's like the voice is like that's gonna be your son he's gonna die because of you and he's like oh i'm gonna make sure that never happens i would never let my children die and the voice is like is that so huh yeah and then that's kind of good actually yeah it actually kind of is here's the thing though uh-huh. We then see a vision of current Joseph with a baby and talking about how he had to send the baby back to the angels. Wait, what? Yeah, he's holding a dead baby. Who's the baby? So, Alex, this is yeah. when I read a spinoff comic for Far Cry 5. <laughs> oh, boy. Was this unnecessary? So... <laughs> they can't. They can't help themselves. They cannot. So, it it turns out, you know, in Far Cry 5, the whole thing with Joseph is that he has this voice in his head that kind of causes him to go slightly crazy and, you know, believe that he's God's messiah on Earth and all that good stuff. Right, yeah. It turns out part of the reason why he went insane and started hearing that voice is that he was married to a woman named Faith. Okay. Yep. And they were living in Kansas City, and she was pregnant, and then she went to go visit her friend Sarah, but then got into a car crash and died. Good news, though, the baby survived, but then Joseph, in his grief, went crazy and started hearing the voice, and the voice said you need to send the baby back to the angel, so he strangled the baby. And this is the voice being like, nah, you killed a child already once, why wouldn't you do it again? This, as far as I know, is mentioned in Far Cry 5 as a kind of an aside. Okay. So it is technically in a game, but for me, when I saw this... It came out of left field. I was like, who the hell is the baby? (laughs) (laughs) And then that's when I learned and I went, huh? Hmm. Sure, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, boy, Far Cry 5 is just how much tragedy can we pile on? Right? Apparently all of it. You can pile on all the tragedy if you try hard enough. If you try hard enough. Yeah. So basically, in the end, he hasn't has to fight against, you know, like a bunch of deputies and a bunch of like his siblings. And eventually he kind of gets right with the voice and starts believing in it again and comes back to the light and basically just sets him up his arc for Far Cry New Eden, more or less. Uh, sure. After this, though, we get a series of phone calls recorded on Joseph and Faith Seed's voicemail, which, oh, my God, they have the most obnoxious voicemail message. <laughs> it's like. This is the Seed family. We're not in right now. Just leave a message f- for me, Joseph, and me, Faith. God, and then they say at the same time, God bless. 
And you hear this three times, and every time I was like, oh god, I hate this so much. I love <laughs> I love this. I hate this. I love this. <laughs> it's basically Joseph ta- talking happily about building a crib and hoping she's having a good time to see her friend Sarah. And then the calls get more and more desperate as he doesn't hear from her. It's actually kind of hard to listen to, like, leg- like in yeah. a way that they were actually intending. So I'm going to give him credit for that. But yeah. I mean, fair enough, but boy way to retroactively try to improve that character i guess i don't mm-hmm. right like far cry 5's over man mm-hmm. yeah it's done man it's done yeah yeah it's all three of these dlcs were a good idea right that i think I think you can make an argument for the pagan min one actually mm-hmm. works with its message Right. Uh, but I think for the most part, all of them are just like, I, it's cool that you allow us to play these characters, but it, honestly, like, it honestly shows that these characters worked best when they were working as a foil to the main character. Right. Like, it turns out, like, when they're, it's just them, and you're just kind of exploring their issues, it maybe doesn't work as well as you think it should. Right. Like, Far Cry 3 isn't about... Voss. Voss mm. is the most interesting character. Yeah. But he's not the he's not what the game's about. Yeah. The game is about exploring Jason. Mm. And Voss is the lens that's or the mirror even that's kind of helping you do that. Exactly. Yeah, like we, we make a joke all throughout is that the main character is the villain. And it's like that's a true to extent, but right. it, it also really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, I think ultimately they sort of missed the mark on this, which is just too bad it's too bad yeah but that's the far cry series right is Mm -hmm. boy we missed the mark on that one but you know what they didn't miss the mark on alex what's that when they decided to remaster far cry 3 blood dragon for far cry 6 hell yeah let's go i was very pleased to hear about that one (laughs) i was like yes you did you the best dlc yes Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is fantastic. Blood Dragon rules. Yes. It was the first and what was going to be a common theme of like, well, we could release a DLC that you need to own the original game to play. Actually, this is good enough that it could just be its own separate thing. Yep. And so that is exactly what they did with Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Uh, Alex, sounds like you played this. I did. I did not finish it because, okay, to be honest, it's a little repetitive. It's incredibly repetitive, yes. And I had a lot of fun with it right up to the point where I just stopped playing it. Mm -hmm. And I went, yep, I think I got the point, and I was done. Yeah, it's definitely a classic DLC in the sense of like, well, we got to mostly reuse old assets and old concepts with some few new like weapons and situations. And so, yeah, it it can get old pretty quickly. Yeah. also, it kind of front loads most of what there is to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it absolutely does. That is That game is the start and the end. And then there's a bunch of middle yeah. where you're fighting cyber sharks and cyber mongooses. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly is great. Uh, it, it turns out if you put cyber in front of the names of it anything. It makes it better. It, it turns out it does. I just like yeah. the word cyber. Yep. But yeah, this... Basically, this is just supposed to be like, hey, what if we did a really weird send-up to 80s movies? Let's get Michael Bean here, and mm-hmm. have him play the main character, and just have a bunch of like weapons from RoboCop and Terminator in here. And it's like, yeah, no, it turns out that works. Yep. Everything is vaporwave and very much like 80s aesthetic. Yep. 
and it's rad. Yeah. So, great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Absolutely. So Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is set in the dystopian future of 2007 after the world suffered a uh, went through a nuclear war. Mm. And basically, you play as the American cybernetic super soldier named Sergeant Rex Power Colt. <laughs> I forgot that's his name. It's so good. Yeah. And you're best friends with another cyber soldier, TT Spider Brown. <laughs> There's a really good thing where they like have like a back and forth right to start. Where like, like, I would have to look up the exact joke, but like, Basically, they're having a back and forth at Rex is like, maybe you should just be less of an asshole. Like, he tries to make, make like, a, <laughs> like a pun uh-huh. around that. And, like, Spider's just, just silent. And just like, I'm just going to just continue talking. Like, it's oh, it's, it's really, really good. The cutscenes in this yeah. are really good. They're really good. Anyways, they're there to, like, investigate a colonel by the name of Sloan, a previous cyber soldier who's gone rogue. Yeah, rogue cyber soldier. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you land there, you confront Sloane, who then immediately kills Spider, knocks you out, and now you have to fight through an island full of your wits and the gun from Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> that has show that was such a good gun, and it showed up in every Far Cry game since. Yep. <laughs> Literally every Far Cry game. Yep. So you are you immediately enlist the help of Dr. Elizabeth Darling, Sloane's assistant, who Basically, is wearing that fun, like, Edie's power suit. Mm-hmm. And is like, yeah, we gotta stop him. We gotta stop his cybernetic works. And, like, the fact that he's, like, turning, like, tr- he's trying to turn things into, like, monsters using the blood of the blood dragons. He's like, because apparently Sloan's whole plan is that he wants to revert the world to a prehistoric-like state. He's gonna basically take the blood from the blood dragons, put them on rockets, shoot them all over, and then everyone's gonna turn to, like, monkeys or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out Sloane has another assistant, Dr. Carlisle, who's the one who's, like, doing this. And, um, like, like after, like, they end up, like, fighting through legions and legions of this, they eventually, like, like, Darlene gets kidnapped, like, uh, Rex has to go rescue her. And, like, like Sloane, like, actually, like, kidnaps Rex and, like, reprograms Rex to, like, make him unable to attack, uh, like, himself. But, like, after, mm-hmm. like... Like, Rex, like, ends up having memories of Spider and Darling. He regains his humanity. He's able to, like, impale Sloane with his robot arm. Uh, also, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And, yeah, so, like, he rescues Darling. He's like, yeah, everything is stopped. It's great. And she's like, great, now we can have sex, which they do. <laughs> but then Darling looks at the camera, and it turns out her eyes turn purple with a sinister gaze. Oh, no! No! It's great. Because they, they had no plans to follow up on it, and it's great. Just a standalone thing. Alex, did you know that they followed up on it? Oh, God, why? Here's the thing, though. When they followed up on it, I was actually really excited about it. Okay. Because how they followed up on it was the silliest way they could have possibly done it. Oh? Are you, You're familiar with the series Trials, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for those of you who are not... So like the one thing Ubisoft hasn't ruined yet. Somehow. Yeah, and for those of you who are not familiar, Trials is a BMX bike game that takes place on a 2D plane. Basically, you just start going through, like, very elaborate, well, trials, where you have to, like, mm. go through, like, loop-de-loops and, like, make very difficult jumps and whatnot. And every stage ends with you exploding in increasingly ridiculous ways. It's an incredibly good game. Very difficult, too. Yes. 
So as part of, God, was it Evolution? I forget. One of them. One of them. There is a DLC called Trials of the Blood Dragon. That was a sequel to this, which I actually thought was inspired as hell. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I like the idea. It's like, oh, okay, you want the sequel to this? All right, it's going to be based in Trials of all things. Yeah. Completely different game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you basically end up, like, having to play as the son and daughter of Rex Power Colts, <laughs> who died tragically at some point. And, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, discover, like, the secrets behind everything. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, Alex. I don't know yeah. what actually happens in this, because everybody universally hated this. Yeah, okay. And there's not really a synopsis to this. Unfortunate. So yes, I am. I have to admit, I I have failed you, everybody out there. I can't. I can't talk about Trials of the Blood Dragon, a game that has a Metacritic rating of fifty four out of a hundred. Oof. Yeah, it, it was um, it was very bad because like one person basically was on a bicycle, but the other person was actually running around and would just constantly shoot guns everywhere. It. Oh. Yeah, and it's basically them being very sad about their dad being dead. Is what I remember. They they probably just should have made some blood dragon themed trials levels and called it a day they should have they really really should have but alex that's not the end of blood dragon wait uh before we move on to that mike what is a blood dragon oh a blood dragon is basically like a komodo dragon that's like cybernetic and like has like weird blood that can like they're incredibly incredibly dangerous and fast and can like murder the hell out of you yeah, they also shoot lasers. That's right, they shoot lasers from their eyes. I forgot. <laughs> They're cybernetic Komodo dragons that shoot lasers from their eyes. I totally forgot about that, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, they're great. It's like the one new animal they added to the island mm-hmm. for the game, and it's that. Oh, yeah. It's a laser lizard. Yeah, and I'm looking up a picture of them. I forgot that they were the size of a Buick. Yeah. Yeah, they're very big. <laughs> they're basically like cybernetic dinosaurs that shoot lasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty rad. They're pretty rad. But yeah, the final thing, Alex, is that did you know that mm. Netflix is producing an animated series called Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix? You, they gotta stop. <laughs> they, Man, they, they won't. Gotta st- <laughs> they never will, Alex. Things don't work forever. <laughs> you gotta do it and enjoy it and then move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't keep going back to it. Oh, they think they can. They think they can, all right. <laughs> they announced Far Cry Blood Dragon, and the universal reaction is, wow, that's great because it's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's not, you've invented the best idea ever, I want to see a thousand of this thing. It's, that's stupid, well done. Yeah, right? And, like, I was mildly excited about the idea of, like, okay, we're just going to do, like, different Blood Dragon remixes into different games. Like, right. Like, I would be interested in, like, Watch Dogs Blood Dragon. Like, sure, sure. why not? Yeah. Michael Bean being like, I gotta hack the machines. Like, that, like, with, with my Atari portfolio, like, in Terminator yeah. 2. Yeah. Like, I would have been down sure. with that, but that's not what they did. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was announced in uh, 2021. Um, uh, when during like Netflix being like, listen, we got a bunch of stuff coming. Uh, Addie Shankler, um, who was um, instrumental in bringing mm. Castlevania right. to Netflix, and uh, apparently worked on the movie Dread, which that's a great movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was also I want to say producer on that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, it's going to be a six episode series. It's going to be Captain N, but good. Um, no other details. Wait, what does that mean, I, Captain N, but good? The whole point of Captain N is it's like video game properties show up. Exactly. Exactly. And we're here to sell you video games. But this is like, oh, it's like Captain N, but with OCs. It's just, that's just an 80s send up, dude. Maybe. Or maybe Sam Fisher's going to show up in this. Oh, God. And, you know, the, everyone's favorite character from uh, Rainbow Six Siege. The, yeah, the, that The French that one. one. Yeah. The, the shield guy? Yeah, the shield guy. There we go. Yeah, shield guy. Everyone loves shield guy and how annoying he yeah. is. Shield guy's great. Shield guy's great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, at the moment, Far Cry 6 is still being actively supported. Like I said, a new DLC came out relatively recently. Right. And yeah. gotta, gotta, gotta fund the company at this point. Pretty much. So just keep throwing live service games at people and see which one of them sticks. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's still Siege. It's still Rainbow Six Siege mm. is the one. Yep. The Division, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and Far Cry 6 have all attempted to also fund the company. And eh. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe one day they'll, maybe one day they'll like make a, another Far Cry game that's, like, universally beloved, but boy, it does given that Ubisoft is maybe trying to sell themselves. Right. Like, that maybe, maybe that'll happen after, after all that's done, but who knows, man? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, geez. Yeah, Between Lost Worlds came out December 6th of this year. So, fr- that's a very fresh game. Um, yeah, like... Wait, what, what did? Oh, uh, the... Oh, the DLC? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I... I will say that apparently Far Cry 6 did do very well for them. Uh, there's not any official sales numbers, which uh-huh. you can take that a number of different ways, given that they were very happy to talk about how much Far Cry 5 sold in the first week. But they're like, right. Far Cry 6 actually sold a, con- they were like, it's a, sold a comparable amount. Okay, so I'm going to take them at the word and say it probably did well. That means there's probably going to be a Far Cry 7 at some point. And, um... It'll probably be the adventures of you hanging around, hanging out with Voss, and I guess he's going to do crazy things, and we'll have another guest star um, who's going to show up. Uh, maybe another character from Breaking Bad. I don't know. Right. Aaron Paul's going to show up. Right. So I want to I want to circle around to what I said at the beginning, which is like Ubisoft exists to create to have franchises at this point. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like. Assassin's Creed is sort of a perfect example. Yeah. Because when Assassin's Creed 1 came out, it was this thing of like, oh, you play as Altair, this uh, assassin in the 13th century, 12th century, whenever that came yeah, to place. Yeah, somewhere around there. But you also play as Desmond, the guy in the 21st century who is being uh, controlled by Abstergo, who is... Uh, the current incarnation of the Templar, who is the Assassin's Order's mortal enemy, and they're searching for the pieces of Eden to take control of whatever the planet. And it was like, it was very clear that Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, Revelation, and 3 was telling this, like, storyline. Mm-hmm. It was this through line that concluded in Assassin's Creed 3. And then Black Flag came out, and that, there was some ongoing story tying into that mm-hmm. and then unity was like okay maybe abstergo is this now and by now who cares right 
Like, literally no one cares what's going on in the present. Every game is a bestoke plot involving the Assassin's Order at some point in the past, and there's no unifying theme. It's just a franchise. Mm. And, like, Far Cry arguably never had a connecting plot, and now, but it is it exists in the same world, but who cares? Mm-hmm. And now maybe they're trying to bring back old villains and maybe there's a multiverse. So maybe they're trying to connect them together, but also who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like they can't, yeah, they can't decide. Like, it's very clear that they saw that they wrote themselves in the corner of Far Cry 5 and went, okay, well, we right. got to do something different with this. But then they're like, well, what if we still have oblique references to that game, including technically characters from it? And then right. also Voss is back wild right yeah it feels very much like hey do you guys like this mm-hmm. and the answer is we liked it the first time you did it because it was done well exactly right maybe we don't need this again maybe things are allowed to die maybe things just are maybe maybe and like at, at some point you said that like far cry 6 had a decent metacritic score it was like 70 to 78 Mm. something yeah and my response to that was yeah of course it does it's a far cry game and that's what far cry is now it's like an ongoing decent franchise of first person shooters that are about whatever who cares Mm. yeah exactly exactly you know just make them their own bespoke thing have them tell their own story maybe maybe actually you stop trying to have a message because it's yeah. it's clear you don't want to go far enough to actually have a message and or just just make a new game. Yeah. Because people don't care that much about Far Cry. Like people don't hate Far Cry. They also don't love Far Cry. Far Cry just sort of exists at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you're on this island and there's a bunch of pirates. I guess we got to stop the pirates from being pirates. Yeah, great. Sure, why not? There we go. We're done. Do it. We'll do it again. Ah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, well, maybe Ubisoft will learn from this. I, I don't believe they will, but maybe they will. That'd be maybe. Neat. I don't. I don't know what's to learn at this point, other than just stop. Yeah, that's that's probably the true. That's probably the truth behind it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, uh, I guess one last thing before we finally move on. Mm. Uh, it turns out Voss also shows up in Far Cry 6 in the Stranger Things crossover. He's apparently passed out drunk in a bar that you a- appear in at the very end of the de- of the little piece of DLC. You know, there was a time when people would license properties for video games and then make an actual complete bespoke video game out of that license. Mm-hmm. I miss those days, honestly. Uh, yeah. I miss the home Even improvement video games. Even if those games game. were mostly bad. Yeah. At least they were, like, trying to make a video game out of that thing. Now it's just like, hey, do you like that thing? Well, that thing's in our thing. You should buy our thing. Yeah, man, look at this. Like, look at all this crazy stuff we have in Fortnite now, man. Look at it. Wow, yeah. Hey, do you like Stranger Things? Buy Far Cry 6. (laughs) That'd be cool, right? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you'll like Far Cry 6. I know you have no interest in it. But you like Stranger Things, so buy Far Cry 6. What? It doesn't have anything to do with anything, man. It does not. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 bad, man. It's bad. 
<sighs> has it ever worked? Has it, has token DLC ever shown up and people were like, man, I didn't care about that thing before, but now that this random character I like is in it, I'm going to care about that thing. You know, honestly, I don't really think so. Like, not at all. Like, the closest I can think of is, man, I really love, I'm going to say Ocarina of Time, Link's really cool, what is Soul Calibur? <laughs> Yeah, I think that might be the closest because yeah, it's it's a video it's, game franchise yeah. that's much beloved, and you know it's in another video game. So yeah, there's your cross promotion right there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Alex. Maybe Ubisoft will figure it out themselves one day, but maybe definitely not today. But that's finally going to do it for Far Cry, a romp that was supposed to be two episodes and then turned into four. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be one game that Crytek made mm-hmm. about shooting genetic gorillas on an island. Yeah. So honestly, I guess we kept and it. And now th- hell is real. <laughs> exactly. I guess we kept with the theme of it. <laughs> Oh, man. Alex, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, God, I feel like I've said them all. I, yeah, God, me too. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. And if you out there listening have any thoughts, you should leave a comment on that, as well as a review. Or listen to other episodes of Fallen Through Plotholes at ftp.podbean.com. Or search for Fallen Through Plotholes on your podcast service of your choice. Or even FTP. We actually do show up pretty high on Apple Podcast list. If you put in FTP, don't ask me how. We just somehow do. Uh, but yeah, with that, I think uh, I, I, I think I'm going to go and like lie down or something. <laughs> we should all stop thinking about Far Cry for a while. Oh, that's definitely going to be the plan. <laughs> Alex, thanks as always. Of course. Take care, everybody. Take care.